0: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. I'm joined once again by Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame Football. Beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, also a co-host on Game Day Sports Beat, brought to you by Bud Light. On Saturdays here on WSBT Radio, and he is back from his trip to Durham where he was in the press box and on the field for what turned out to be a crazy football game for a second consecutive week involving this Fighting Irish football team. Tyler, I think by the time Notre Dame took over the football at the 5-yard line, down in the game you were probably on the field kind of set the stage of this crowd of only 40,000 it seemed a whole lot louder than that on television and just your thoughts and emotions of Notre Dame's chances of going down the field in that moment
1: yeah well first of all
0: first of all shout
1: out to the Notre Dame fan base because if there were 40,000 people in there I'd say ten to 15,000 of them were probably Notre Dame fans. I mean, there, were, there was a lot of green in there. But at that time, the time that you're referencing, yeah, those people were a little more silent and the ones wearing the home blue color, they were loud. And there were students heading down to the very front of the student session because they thought they were about to be rushing the field. No way Notre Dame goes 95 yards, scores a touchdown when the offense was looking as poor as it was, right? Well, wrong because <laughs> Sam Hartman happened and Mitchell Evans happened. Rico Flores, Audrick Estime making plays on that last drive, and it is Estime who punches in that 30-yard touchdown, ultimately wins the game for Notre Dame. So it was kind of uh, a flip flop, and, and that's exactly what it was at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, to, uh, you know, a week prior, at that point, was one fan base who has a lot of fans in the opposing stadium thinks that. Um, you know, they're on the ropes, and, and this is it. We're going to lose, and that was Ohio State the week prior, and that was Notre Dame this time. And then because of a really nice drive in the, in the last couple of minutes of the ball game, those are the fans that end up elated in the end, and the home crowd is the the ones, the fans that are rooting for the home team are the ones that go home sad. So that's exactly what it was and a little bit of a smaller scale. This wasn't Ohio State, Notre Dame. It was only Duke, Notre Dame, but – two very good football teams that came down to the wire and it it felt eerily similar. But the good thing for Notre Dame is that they didn't uh, succumb to it two weeks in a row because we'd be talking about season over if that was the case.
0: Are you glad Audric Estime scored rather than taking a knee at the one yard line?
1: Yes, 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 yes. And there's a couple things to that. The field goal kicking for Notre Dame is entirely shaky at this point. Spencer Schrader is, five of ten this season. So I don't even want him taking an eighteen yarder or whatever it is from the one yard line. And then the other part of that is Notre Dame was losing the ball game. So if you have your best running back with the ball in his hands and the end line, the end the end zone, the goal line insights, you run over that thing and you take the lead and you go for two and you get up by a touchdown like Notre Dame did. I mean if you're going to score there instead of going down, Notre Dame did it all the right way. Where they went for two, they got it, they're able to kick off and comfortably know the only way that they lose that ball game is if Duke has even more miraculous of a drive and scores a touchdown with 30 seconds left and goes for two maybe to win the game. That's the only way you lose in that situation after Notre Dame scored the touchdown and went for two. So. I know Marcus Freeman says the analytics tell him one thing, and he's a little bit into the analytics, but I'm into winning football games, and I'll just a made a winning football play, and Notre Dame was able to get out there with the W.
0: Speaking of analytics, you had a really good stat on our Blue and Gold YouTube channel conversation, and that was Notre Dame went 3 of 15, on third-down conversions, and you dig a little deeper, there's probably a good reason why they did not have much success.
1: Yeah, and that reason was 8.9 yards to go was the average on all 15 of those third downs. That, that's mind-numbing to me, Darren, when you think, first of all, 15 third-down opportunities, that's a lot. Most teams, I don't know what the national average is, but that's a lot of times to face third down. So you have a very large sample size. And then on top of that, you still have 8.9 yards to go on average over the course of 15 third downs. No wonder you're only getting three of those because, man, third, third ninth's tough, man. Third, there's a reason we're talking about how awesome of a catch – well, first of all, how awesome of a throw and catch that was to Mitchell Evans on that last drive when he's cutting across the middle of the field and Sam Hartman puts it out there perfectly in front of him and and Evans has really nice hands to make that catch yeah the play itself was awesome but it happened on third and 10 so that that makes it even more awesome in itself so third and nine you don't want to be facing that consistently throughout the course of a ball game penalties played into that obviously false starts some of those things delay a game that backs you up a little bit but man you could not be facing third and nine and expect to keep drives alive so if you're talking down on the Notre Dame offense if you're talking down on Sam Hartman he was dealt a tough hand man like there's a lot of really good quarterbacks in the country every single one of them would tell you I don't want any part of third and nine being my average every single time we're trying to move the sticks so Notre Dame needs to get that cleaned up they need to stay ahead of the sticks they need to be on time face some more third and threes third and four even third and five third and nine that's asking a lot
0: He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me, Darren Pritchett on WSBT Radio. There is no question the last two weeks, Notre Dame has faced two really good defenses. You could argue Duke's defensive line was more effective than Ohio State's defensive line. With that being said, the Irish have been held to 35 points combined the last two weeks is there reason to be concerned about the state of the Irish offense going into two more difficult ranked opponents before you get that by? Yeah,
1: I think there is a little bit of concern. And it is important to mention that Ohio State and Duke, two very good football teams. Ohio State obviously has all the personnel in the world. They can go out and get anybody they want, Uh, not just on offense, but on the defensive side of the ball. They have really good athletes. Duke, Very well coached on defense. Mike Elko knows what he's doing. They've got some dudes on that side of the line, too. They had some really big defensive linemen, so that played into it. I think you can take a little bit of a breather knowing that you're not going to face those types of defenses at Louisville at home against USC, and then the four remaining games after that. I don't think any of these defenses are going to be like the ones that you saw in those two games. But Notre Dame does need to take – of a little bit of Notre Dame problems, which I think the play calling could have been better at Duke. Sam Hartman missed a couple of throws. Audric Estime looked a little indecisive running up the gut, and I think maybe we talked about on our YouTube show Darren get him outside a little bit. Give Jeremiah Love the ball a little bit more. Give Jadarian Price at least one touch. I mean, I can't believe he was held without a touch in that ball game. And then these wide receivers need to get healthy and help Sam Hartman out a little bit. So there's bits and pieces all over the Notre Dame offense that need to be a little bit better. And if they were against Duke, as good as that defense was, I mean, they could have, we talked about this on the YouTube show too, Jared, they could have kind of taken control in the first half of that ball game and maybe even coasted to a victory instead of needing to win it in the last couple of minutes. So Duke had a little bit to do with that, a lot of it to do with that, but Notre Dame had a lot of it to do with that themselves too. So yeah, there is a little bit of concern and then do need to be a little bit better.
0: I wish there was a bye this week because I think this coaching staff needs a week of self-scouting themselves and look at what they're doing. I need a week of
1: sleep too, Darren. I need a week of sleep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, how much of a factor was the number of wide receivers that were healthy for this game and their effectiveness, how much did that affect the entire offense and what Duke's defense was able to accomplish?
1: Oh, yeah. Duke was able to, to just kind of key in uh, on the box, honestly, and an Audric estimate and send a little pressure to Sam Hartman because it knew Tobias Merriweather, uh, Chris Tyree, Rico Flores were, one, by the end of the game, getting a little gassed because they were out there for the whole game. And two, if you asked me to pick, pick Notre Dame's best wide receiver, like, here's the thing you played that entire game with three wide receivers. If you told me you can have any three Notre Dame wide receivers, assuming they're all healthy and say, Hey, you can, you have to play an entire game with all three of those guys. Darren, how many guys that Notre Dame played with would be in that three? Like, I think two of the ones that were missing Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse, they're in your top three. So do you maybe choose uh, Chris Kyrie I don't think Tobias Merriweather's in that top three right now. Maybe Rico Flores Jr. is like th- that. Was tough to play with three wide receivers for an entire game and them not be like the three guys that you would want to play an entire game with. Holy cow, that affects everything. Darren, it affects Sam Hartman. It affects the way the defense attacks you. It, it was tough, and-, and I was sitting there in that press box, knowing the news of Dayton Great House and assuming that. Jaden Thomas wasn't going to be able to play, and you start having second doubts, and Notre Dame itself had those second doubts too, I guarantee you. like Jared Parker's thinking, how the heck are we going to win this game without these wide receivers and and only with these wide receivers that we can play? So, To answer your question, it affected the game a lot, and it's great news that Marcus Freeman said on Monday that both Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas should play against Louisville.
0: It's surprising when you look up the stat that Michael Mayer never had 134 receiving yards in a game in his Notre Dame career. Mitchell Evans had that against Duke, and Tyler, they needed every single one of those yards to win this football game.
1: Absolutely. Uh, He was the guy, which is ironic because uh, six days, five days before that, Marcus Freeman said, yeah, we could tell that. Mitchell Evans has the qualities of the guy you know the guy in the tight end room the guy on the offense and that's what he was in that game I mean he he makes another spectacular I don't know if I would call this a one-handed catch because he kind of batted it up to himself and then call it but it was as cool as the Ohio State one in my opinion when he's able to do that over the middle of the field with the guy draped on his back and I talked about the third and 10 I mean Notre Dame's back is against the wall early in that drive if they don't get that ball completed then they're not winning that ball game. So, like you said, they needed him in, in all six of those catches. And, man, did he step up. He, it was an awesome quote in the post-game press conference. We got to talk to him after the game. Basically just said, you know, how would you characterize this performance, not just for him, but the entire team. And he said, champions respond. Hmm. And, boy, did he respond.
0: Does it ever cross your mind, in particular, watching the Duke game, what is holding back the coaching staff from running Audric Estime outside of the tackles rather than basically die plays right behind the center?
1: Yeah, I, I was getting a little fatigued by the Audric Estime up the gut and he's got nowhere to run because the box is crowded and maybe the offensive line isn't having its best game. That should have been an adjustment. To where you're able to kind of free him up on the outside he he can do that like like th- there's some people out there saying no nah, it needs to be jeremiah love when we go to those types of things and yeah okay jeremiah love might be better going off tackle but alter guesstimate is not a one-trick pony man nope. he, he ran away from some good defenders nc state has for an 80-yard touchdown to kind of really set the tone for that game after the rain delay so I have a feeling that Jared Parker is going to kind of hear some of these whispers. Maybe he's listening to this show right now, and he's like, "Yeah, you know what? Audric Estime is a really good football player. I, I can put him on the edge a little bit, because it did get a little tiring to see him just plunge right into a wall, and, and even the the bulldozer that Audric Estime is can't get some of, get through some of those situations sometimes, because there's just too many people in the box." Mm.
0: Or even when there are too many people in the box, just a wide receiver screen, get the ball to the outside quickly and make them chase. So hopefully yeah. we start to see yep. some adjustments. All right, defensively, Al Golden had a pretty good night, didn't he?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say so. And, I mean, maybe the Blitzes didn't get home the, the way that Notre Dame would like, but I said in the pregame show, Darren, th- this isn't really a Blitz-Riley Leonard type of game. and. Mm-mm. It's still, like, they made him uncomfortable. I don't know, would Notre Dame end up getting a sack or two? So it was another two. low output, right, in that aspect. But they made him uncomfortable. Um, I think the secondary obviously did a number on Leonard, 12 of 26 for, uh, do you have the box score in front of you, Darren? I mean, it wasn't a whole lot of passing yards in that game. 134. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's a really good number if you're Notre Dame. He eventually gets up to 88 rushing yards, but that's just because in the second half, Duke said, this is the only way we're going to have a chance to beat Notre Dame is if we put the ball in the hand of our best player and just let him run. And that started working a little bit. That's going to work against a lot of teams, but just the overall way that Al Golden attacked this game, I thought was great. And I forget where I heard, heard this. Um, it might've been either Mike Singer's show with Tim Hyde or Mike Singer show with Mike Goolsby, but that famed Aztec package, Notre Dame's dime defense, I think Riley Leonard went 2 of 10 against it. So hmm. it was effective again, and that's just scheming up ways to, to beat a guy that if you think that you can attack Riley Leonard because he's not the greatest thrower and he doesn't have the greatest weapons to throw to, then you really expose that and lean into it and attack it. And I think Al Golden was able to do that.
0: Knowing what we know now, how important was it for Marcus Freeman to go with the fake punt, which led to a touchdown in a game in which touchdowns were hard to come by.
1: Yeah. At first, you think, okay, this is the first of many touchdowns. Like, we needed this extra boost to get this one, but then we're going to be off and running and we're going to run away with this game. Ultimately, it was, holy cow, thank God we got that one because we can't get any others right now. I mean, the the next touchdown that Notre Dame scored was that Audrey Eskime run with 30 seconds left in the ball game. So you take yourself all the way back to that first drive, and if Notre Dame says, you know what, we'll, we'll punt it, try to pin them, whatever. Uh, who knows if Notre Dame scores a touchdown in this game? You know, like, they, they needed that one. Marcus Freeman knew that they needed that one. Uh, you can't go into any game expecting to score on the road against a defensive-minded team. So Notre Dame kind of stole one there took an early lead which was great you're not playing from behind in this ball game and yeah I think I think it was massive and kudos to Marcus Freeman because he said in the week leading up to the game that was always in the game plan they thought they could attack Duke that way and he said you know what we're gonna do it right away we're gonna get up in this ball game and play with the lead just a fantastic job of executing
0: that how about a quick thought on Louisville the next ranked opponent on the road in prime time for the Irish
1: yeah another prime time game um I watched that NC State game, and if that's who Louisville really is, yes. uh, when they when they beat NC State 13 to 10, I'll be it on the road, uh, a place that you know Notre Dame was in a one touchdown game against that team until they blew it open and, and won by three touchdowns. But man, 13 to 10, uh, uh, and Notre Dame scored 45 points on that NC State team. I think maybe the Louisville offense with Jack Plummer and Jeff Brom. Little fraudulent didn't play anybody type of vibes, and I know they're ranked now, but Notre Dame is better than this Louisville team right. Notre Dame's had a knack of beating itself up a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but if they're able to avoid that and just get back to the things that they do well, mm-hmm. Notre Dame should win this ball game and and maybe finally <laughs> win it a little bit uh handily and and get out get out of there and go to sleep with smiles on their faces at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., whatever time they get home
0: that night. <laughs> when Irish fans go to blueandgold.com this week, what will they find?
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of Louisville preview content. That'll start going up tomorrow on Tuesday. Uh, today you'll find a bunch of things recapping the Marcus Freeman press conference. Uh, we'll have some rewatches from the Duke game go up uh, later on this week. And then uh, – I've got a feature story on a particular Notre Dame player that I won't give away that players might want to read leading into the game because take the helmet off a little bit and show who this young man is uh, behind the scenes and who he is in everyday life. So a ton to answer your question. They will see a ton when they go to blue It's the place to be during Notre Dame football season and really, you know, 24, 7, 365.
0: He is Tyler Horka. You can read his work, of course, at blueandgold.com. He writes many of those articles he was talking about. Tyler, greatly appreciate the time, and we will talk to you on Saturday, game day sports Speed, starting at 4 o'clock.
1: Can't wait, man. We're rolling through this season. That's (laughs) the start of the second half. It's pretty crazy, but let's go.
0: Who knew that reporters needed buys more than the players? (laughs) (laughs) We do. Trust me. Trust me. Unbelievable. All right. Hey, Tyler, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thanks, Darren.
0: That's Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. More sports beat next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.